Hello and welcome to Concert Pipeline. That's Yenzi. Hey, Yenzi here, and right next to me we got Steve Jones. Yes, and today on the podcast we have someone from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Yenzi. Yeah, this Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is going on. We got some awesome stuff to talk about today. We do, and this is part three of the David celebrating David Bowie special. Uh, which was an amazing extravaganza of 70 performers performing at uh, the Regency Ballroom in San Francisco, and we interviewed six of those 70 performers. That's 7-0. I was blown away by this show. I was almost front and center, and literally it was three and a half hours of performers coming in and out for their different sets three and right? a half hours for you three like and a half five, hours for me yes five and a half for me because they <sighs> they yeah. sound checks slash rehearsed uh for hours because they, they did most of the show uh leading up to it because they had an la crew which had rehearsed the night before but they didn't rehearse with the bay area crew which was pretty much rehearsing with them that day but they were all super professionals and uh and the bay area i mean they didn't do one song more than twice more than once so they just did the song and then went on to the next song i mean with a set list of 40 songs it's i mean they unbelievable i couldn't believe i was on my feet that entire time i mean no breaks right there was no intermission it was it was um (laughs) one song after the next right some some stuff was a little bit more rare. Of course, you know, the big hits were played. Um, the costume outfits, uh, hilarious, right? Yes. There, one in particular. Yeah, one in particular. <laughs> My favorite was the clown. Yes. Are we going to be listening to the clown? Changes. Uh, Changes, we, yes. Yeah. Uh, I think we listened to that on the last podcast. I can, Don't quote me on that. Uh, You're not supposed to mention song titles. <laughs> yeah, sorry. You know... Um, uh, every performance was absolutely amazing. Um, you know, the costumes were great, of course, and um, the 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 raw talent, right? I mean, yeah. there were there were uh, lead singers that were up there that had very specific vo- vocal ranges um, that were just spot on with with the Bowie hits that they that they covered. And I think that's you know kind of required with with uh, an artist like Bowie, who's got such a range of. I was going to say motion, but voice, I guess. Yeah, I mean, he's he's definitely, he's paid his time. He's has hit after hit, but that, I mean, this wasn't even just about the hits. There were songs that weren't hits. There were, I mean, deeper tracks. There were songs that were related to Bowie that were not his, that uh, one of which we'll hear on the podcast today um, that he uh, that he did. Uh, I mean, it was just a celebration of his life and, and work. And, um, and so in the previous two podcasts that we've had, let's kind of go over who we've had on the podcast up to this point, and then we'll kind of introduce who we're going to have on the podcast today. Uh, we started out with the namesake who uh, kind of drew in some, some crowds, even though he didn't play that many songs. He played a handful of songs. Um, and um, and that is the, the legendary actor Gary Oldman. And... Uh, and so we started with Gary Oldman. We also had well, we also had Scrote on that first podcast, who set this whole thing up. He he's people who know people, and he pulled this whole thing together and brought so many artists together to celebrate David Bowie's life and his friends with Gary Oldman. So I thought it fitting to have them both on the first podcast. Uh, Gary Oldman, obviously 
famous actor from Batman, Harry Potter, uh, a number of other things. He's in a music video with David Bowie. knew David Bowie was friends with him for like 30 years um, up until the end. And uh, so this is, I mean, I'm sure very memorable for him and and uh, and kind of moving to, for, to have so many people celebrate his friend's life um, in, in this manner. Um, someone who you don't expect to kind of go at any point right he's one of those names like robin williams that right just absolutely yeah gary ullman i mean i remember the first movie i saw with him was immortal beloved when he played beethoven and that film just blew me away i thought who is gary he's amazing i am gonna definitely keep an eye out for you know his um career in film and then um it just so happened that he played my favorite all-time character in uh, Harry Potter, right? The Prisoner of Azkaban. And I was like, no way, Gary Oldman's playing that character. So Serious Snape, right? So. Serious Black. Serious Black, sorry. Get I'm your not. Harry Potter correct, No, man. I'm, not, I'm not a Potter fan. So. Keep your ass later. <laughs> Snape was, uh, was the other actor... The actor who uh, died died this past died year. unfortunately. I'm so Alan sad. Rick Alan, Alan Rickman, Rickman um, yeah. one of, also one of my favorite actors. Um, not just because of his role uh, in that film, but of course in the original Die Hard. Yes, as Hans Gruber. And he was in Dogma also. Yeah, with Kevin yeah, Smith. He's been movie. in some really good stuff. He's yeah. So we've, we're losing people before we expect to lose them, and and so this is a way of celebrating David Bowie, giving back to a good cause. Um, to support cancer research because cancer is a bitch. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, that's one of the wonderful things about this tribute, right? Yeah. Was that the the funds were going to um, a very very important cause. Yeah, bringing and awareness to it. And so that we had them on the first podcast, uh, and on the second episode, uh, we had uh, Holly, Holly. Palmer, um, and she was in David Bowie's band, uh, which was. I mean, super cool. Uh, Marlo, who we work with, uh, like she, um, she made that happen. Like she just went over and talked to Holly, and next thing I know, I'm interviewing her and having this incredible conversation about, uh, like uh, her uh, kind of how she got into David Bowie's band and uh, and the kind of the the impact he had on her and her solo career and all this other stuff. So that that was super cool. Um, she has a new album coming out soon, so check that out. Holly Palmer, um, and uh, and also um, had Joe Sumner on the podcast uh, that same show. Um, and Joe Sumner is Sting's son. Yeah, and you know what? Um, the funny thing about that was, as soon as I saw him on stage, I, I was just staring at him thinking, this guy looks so familiar. <laughs> and after maybe about 30 seconds, I realized, does Sting have a son? I, I mean, I didn't know, but this guy looks like it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, Sting does have a son, and his name is Joe Palmer, and he's a lead singer of a band called Fiction Plane, and he's also developed some apps uh, that one was like the best of 2012, that sort of thing. So he's, he's done pretty well with uh, his, his career. Talked to him about kind of meeting David Bowie for the first time at Live Aid, I think probably when the police were playing um, with David Bowie. Um, and so that, I mean, that, that was really cool. So we've had some great artists up till now. Let's talk about who we're having on the podcast this time. Again, rock and roll hall of fame legend, number 100 on the Rolling Stones, like best bands of all time. This is Jerry Harrison from the Talking Heads. Absolutely. 
Um, so we'll get into him in just a minute. We also have Jeremy Little, who's not like a touring musician like m- most of the artists that we have on the program, but he actually uh, does music for television uh, mostly. But he fronted some songs uh, during the set. And what did you think of Jeremy Little's performance? I thought it was amazing. You know, he had a really good presence on stage. I mean, his vocals were spot on, but his presence was 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 uh, was just great. I mean, he was. Um, he just hit it. He was like channeling his inner Bowie. Right, right exactly. I mean, <laughs> that's exactly what it felt like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, he was amazing, that guy. Yeah, so uh, so we're going to have both of those artists on to wrap out the, uh, uh, the third of the David Bowie series. This is episode 99 of Concert Pipeline, by the way. Um, we'll get into uh, what we have planned for episode 100 kind of a little later in the program. We have uh, some cool stuff uh, up our sleeves that you're going to be helping out with, right, Yenzi? I am. Looking forward to it. It's happening, in fact, this upcoming weekend. It is. It is. Yeah. Um, so, rocking time. So we'll get into that first. But um, So let's talk about Jerry Harrison. We're going to start it out with Jerry here. Um he was uh, he was a late addition to the uh, to the um, to the set the the lineup of uh, of artists and I don't, I think that was by design they wanted to keep adding people to the lineup and kind of get people excited and interested in wanting to go to this uh, event um, this is the second sort of the, the, these events also they did one down in L A and they had Ewan McGregor and Sting not Sting um, Seal. Right. Um, that was who, for the L.A. show, right? Yeah, who also performed. I think Seal did, like, one song. He was in mm-hmm. town, and he just he, he stopped by, did a song, and um, uh, apparently it was really awesome. And uh, um, a big lineup of people, some of the same people also, um, performed down in L.A. Um, and so for this one, Jerry Harrison being from the Bay Area, um, he made an appearance. And so um, Marlo and I talked to him backstage, uh, and uh, right before he was about to go on and said, hey, Jerry, uh, you mind doing an interview uh, for a podcast? He's like, hey, you know, after um, after my songs, he did two songs. Um, he played keyboards on one, and then he fronted uh, another. And so we're going to talk to him about the song that he chose to um, to perform um, that, that evening and kind of why he chose to do it. Um, let's actually, uh, let's check that interview with Jerry Harrison out and then, uh, um, and then we'll come back and introduce the, the song that he, uh, that he performed. Sounds good. Let's do it. All right. I'm here with Jerry Harrison. Jerry, how are you doing? Well, a little, um, just coming down from playing off, uh, White Light, White Heat. You did. And it was incredible. Well, that's very nice of you to say. Thank you. I thought it was a good one for me to choose because I'd seen it on David's, well, the first time I saw David with, uh, on the Z Stardust tour, the only cover that I'm really aware of him doing until much, much later. And also saw, of course, the Velvet Underground were very important to the Modern Lovers as well, so it seemed very appropriate. Yeah. And you played on Gene Genie also? Yes, another gr- great song, but um, partially because it was simple and it was right next to my song. <laughs> it made it easy, right? <laughs> so, so how did you get uh, into this event? I mean, um, I just got a call from Scrotes who put it together and we have a mutual friend in Los Angeles and I know David Lefkowitz who is promoting the show and I know Brain and then as it worked out I knew a lot of other people that were involved but when I first looked at the list it's like I'm not sure well, anyway but it seemed like a fun event to do yeah now uh, yeah, you uh, 
what was I gonna? I don't know what I was gonna say. But tell me about uh, the first time you saw David Bowie live. It was uh, 1972 in Boston on the Ziggy Stardust tour, and probably the most interesting thing is that no, it was only half full. Really? It was before he had really broken in the United States. And uh, one of the things I noticed is that he had totally changed into this very natty suit after the show. After the show, huh? When we went to his dressing room. So it was, um, you know, it was like, boy. First of all, this guy brings a lot of wardrobe on, 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 on the road with him. But yeah. I thought it was very debonair. Did you get the opportunity to become friends or friendly with him? I would say we were friends, but I mean, it was backstage friends. Like, we didn't hang out out of those situations, but... He came to a lot of Talking Heads shows, and this is with the Modern Lovers when I first met him. And then I would see him almost every time he came through here, as well as in Paris and in Milwaukee. I had dinner with him in Milwaukee one time. So enough times to feel like I was his friend, but it was still a friend of, of a scene like this, and, and familiarity and comfortableness, but not like we exchanged phone numbers yeah. and called each other up and like, you know, they want to go have dinner, you know. Yeah. Did Did you know him like outside of David Bowie? Did you know him as David Jones at all, or? Um, only, only through the history books, we'll say, you know, or in his recordings. Yeah. And, and how would you kind of describe the energy of you know of his shows? I've n I never had the chance to see him live. I'm a little young. Well, the big thing about David Bowie that a lot of people don't understand is that a lot of his stagecraft is a little bit influenced by Anthony Newley, who did this, the show Stop the World, I Want to Get Off, which was an enormous stage production, one-man show in London in the 60s. And he, I think he was very influenced by uh, Anthony Newley's sort of sense of presentation of song and change of scene and a lot of things that he employed. I mean, I think that among you know, everyone talks about this, is that in a certain way he's the, one of the most recognizable people on earth and though, so therefore he could try to be, he would be a chameleon but you never, you always kind of knew there was David Bowie there. So he could go much further than anybody else without you still making that identification. I, mean, I also saw him just playing piano uh, with Iggy Pop on a, on a tour as well. Really? Yeah, and also, again, he didn't call attention to himself, wore a plaid shirt, played piano, sat and played at the side of the stage. So he's just, the, I mean, he didn't... He was he, just in the band. That's incredible. Yeah, just because he was a, a fan, as I am, of Iggy. And so, you know, these are, you know, uh, I think it's among his great credit. It's like he, he explored many, many different things, but he also... I think he was a good friend to those he considered friends yeah. and uh, produced people, really helped them and, uh, you know, had an amazing career. Yeah. And so where, where were you when you heard of his passing? I was here in San Francisco and I, it was, uh, I think, I might have been in Colorado producing the string cheese, but it really hit me. I mean, obviously there have been a, many deaths the last couple of years and so... It's easy to have things sort of hit you, you know, punch you in the gut. Yeah, he's one of those that's just kind of so iconic and you don't think he's ever going to, you know, you well, never I, think I, about it like that. You know, I knew that he had been sick, but mainly about problems like eight years ago or something like that. So it wasn't entirely a surprise, yeah. but uh, still like, 
took me took me by surprise. I think Black Star is really a way to. I mean, it's just going out on top, really. And, yeah, I no, mean, just an incredible. I mean, what an amazing thing to have the energy to be able to accomplish at that moment in your life. Yeah, for sure. So, so tell me about uh, Talking Heads and getting to tour the, the world uh, and kind of some of the amazing experiences with, uh, from, from that band. Obviously, you're doing a lot of producing now. Oh, uh, that's just too long a story. I mean. It was a wonderful 10 years, and uh, we had amazing shows all over the place and fantastic fans. But it's a it's a full length book, not a yeah. short interview. So yeah. don't want to start. Hey, that's, that's fair enough. So, yeah. well, Jerry, thank you for taking the time today. I definitely appreciate it, and yeah, really great performance. Thanks for coming out and being part of this. And right. Amazing. You're event. welcome. Thank you very much. So that was the interview with Jerry Harrison. Uh, kind of short interview, of sorts. Uh, you know, uh, yeah, thankful for the time that he gave us, but kind of felt near the end that he was ready to be done with the interview when I started asking him about talking heads. Yeah, he wasn't too excited about that. I guess he wanted the past to be the past, but you got to kind of feel that, you know, I mean, this is what brought you your fame and fortune. He has He's had another band since then, um, and kind of more recent but uh, mostly he's been doing a lot of producing work um, and actually he produced an album uh, produced on at least produced on an album that for another artist that was on this uh, that's been on this podcast this 20 year old artist named Matt Jaffe who's also from the Bay Area um, and uh, and I interviewed him last year so he was talking about meeting up with uh, Jerry Harrison kind of seeing him at a show or something and I imagine he was a lot more pleasant uh, to Matt Jaffe. Yeah, quite possibly. <laughs> I was a little intimidated, to be honest, though. I mean, because you're, you're dealing with someone who's been around the uh, gamut. Yeah, and, exactly. And seen everything. And, right. And uh, and I'm I'm not the biggest Talking Heads fan, but so I, so I just kind of, you know, I went into that conversation kind of softly, and I don't know if it was that or if he just didn't want to talk about the Talking Heads at all. He you wanted, feel like he was having a bad day or he's just going someplace where he didn't want to go anymore? I just, I didn't have enough time to kind of gauge his personality, personality, but I knew when to kind of pull the plug. I mean, I've been in situations before with tenured, tenured, tenured rock stars and uh, of which Jerry Harrison is obviously one. Um, the other example that's coming to mind is Glenn Danzig. Um, who I interviewed and uh, and that interview was a tough one also I mean it, it was supposed to happen at like 530 in the afternoon it ended up happening up happening at like 130 in the morning <laughs> Wow like yeah after yeah I was I was not leaving without that interview did you have your case of Red Bull there with you I should have because but I you sat down with Glenn Danzig I was talking to him the interview was going fine I start talking to him about the misfits kind of going on without him didn't want to talk about that <laughs> pretended like it didn't exist and he's like well they didn't and while i can definitely not hold my own in a conversation about the misfits with glenn danzig uh i knew enough to kind of know that they had gone on without him and so i was like but but, but they did right and he's like no i mean they didn't and he's like you were smart but now you're pretty dumb 
you know and so i'm sitting you know a couple inches away from glenn and Danzig like we are now and and so it let me just say the interview did not get better wow that's tough <laughs> yeah yeah you never know how an interview is going to turn out you know i mean some some of them kind of surprise you and you and there you are like oh my god what just happened can i please start this interview over again yes make it end get bail quick <laughs> right yeah. well so the thing about talking heads i mean i was really excited when you told me that you were going to interview um, a member of the Talking Heads because I was, you know, I just had these preconceptions that, oh my gosh, we're, you know, we're going to learn all about, you know, kind of not just what was what's going on presently, but kind of, you know, what it was like back then when the Talking Heads were huge. And when I grew up, um, MTV was a big deal, right? I mean, and talking the Talking Heads MTV videos were amazing they were they were some of the some of the videos that made mtv great back when mtv was great and actually showed awesome music videos and um you know road to nowhere and you know burning down the house and all that stuff um i was remembering and just excited about kind of maybe what he would say about um you know his earlier days and how they kind of led up to his present days but apparently he didn't want to go there he didn't didn't. want to touch it he didn't and you know that's his choice honestly for all of these interviews uh, i really tried to make it pretty much about david bowie i mean that's what we were there to celebrate i wanted to know how uh david bowie impacted each you know each person i spoke to in their own lives how kind of they came to this uh, event how uh you know kind of the impression that was made on them and so that was really the important part and then you know at some point i you know bring up their solo stuff as well um a, a little bit but it wasn't about that like most of my interviews that i do right um is definitely in, about a different cause and so that's that's fine if you didn't want to talk about it um so which he didn't. Uh, right, he didn't. But what, you know what I think is funny, Steve, is that, I mean, Harrison did, um, when he performed on stage, he did his Bowie tribute, and it was awesome, right? It was, it was spectacular, and uh, he did his own interpretation of Bowie's song, right? It didn't sound like Bowie. It sounded like the Talking Heads. Yeah. It sounded like it was a Talking Heads song, which is why I thought it was funny that he didn't really want to talk about the Talking Heads because obviously that um, you know musical style is still yeah. impacting his performance today. Yeah, and so it so the song we're gonna uh, hear, uh, which is one that uh, Jerry Harrison led, um, was not a Bo- was not a Bowie song. It was actually a Violent Femmes song. Oh, look at that! Um, and um, and it's called White Light, White Heat. Um, Jerry told us why he chose um, to to play that song uh, because it was the first time um, he ever saw Bowie do a cover. You know when he saw him live, ah. Bowie didn't do a lot of covers, yeah, and, uh, and so he chose to to go with that one. Um, and uh, I think we should listen to that. Absolutely, right now. let's do it. It's a spectacular cover. Hi, I'm Jerry Harrison from the Talking Heads and the Modern Lovers, and you're listening to Concert Pipeline.
So that was White Light, White Heat, uh, Jerry Harrison's led cover of uh, of the Violet Femmes uh, song that um, that he saw David Bowie cover many years ago, the first time he ever saw him, and um, and so and a, a cool performance, if I do say so myself. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, again, I was almost French front stage and center and um yeah he he brought it on in traditional you know harrison style you were and, and i was backstage to the right oh a stage left i guess you would say um is it so you're you say the right side of the stage my uh, my right or your it's right stage right because you're if you're on the stage it's on the right side of st- the stage right so, from the stage perspective yes oh, yeah. that's yeah. how it is that's right so a uh, stage right um and i uh was recording the song from there um every there's a set list on the wall in the back and each art you know the artists were all looking at it kind of seeing what's been done so far and when their turn uh, is is up because there's so many people like in this backstage area in the backstage area um, at the regency is there's two parts one is kind of the general area next to the stage and you and you can go upstairs and then some backstage rooms like little like closet type areas where you can go in and that's where we did a couple of interviews that's where we interviewed uh jerry harrison and also gary oldman uh, there but there's this also this uh, other part of the backstage where if you go behind the curtain behind the stage like you can just walk on behind the curtain while the performance is going um and then go downstairs and like through this kitchen area and down a pat like we had a hardest time finding this other backstage area to interview scrot because i was like I know he's back in this other area. <laughs> we had to find him to do that interview, uh, and uh, and a lot of the other artists were back there. So I mean, it was it was a more expansive kind of backstage Hilarious. area. But scramble to find an interview room. Exactly. Um, so I don't know how I got to that, but uh, but yeah. So the the interview with um, with George. I keep no, it's not George. Jerry Harrison. <laughs> Get it right, Steve. I'll have to give you another beer after this. I know, right? Well, the interview with Jerry Harrison just kind of came spur of the moment, sort of thing. We were out and hanging in the crowd with you, and then, um, and then I was like, to to Marlo, I was like, should we go try and get Jerry Harrison? You know, like. <laughs> that's a thing right we, we were just interviewing people as they weren't performing you know <laughs> either through sound check or uh at different uh, times throughout the night and she's like sure why not let's go let's go do it and then we uh we found him backstage and um and he gave us a couple minutes which was again truly generous thank you jerry harrison i really appreciate it um and there was another guy that we were talking to throughout the evening um but um but hadn't interviewed um up to that point um but he was cool and he was just talking to us and that sort of thing and after the jerry interview um he came into the room and he's like hey had had uh, the how are the interviews going um and we, we talked to him and i was like hey you want to do an interview <laughs> you know and uh, <laughs> uh because I, I knew he was performing that night again i didn't know much about him but that's what an interview is for right to kind of learn about people and, and that's right thing and have a conversation and right and that person is uh uh jeremy little is his his name and um really great guy energetic front man kind of uh putting it all on stage and really get got into his performance you could tell he'd kind of uh rehearsed it a bit and yeah he definitely seemed prepared i mean you hit it and hit the nail on the head there he was uh he was present he was energetic and he um uh yeah gave it his best i mean it was it was great yeah and so again jerry uh jeremy little he uh 
not a standard touring performer, but he d- uh, does a lot of stuff with television. And so we decided to talk to him as well on this podcast. And I think we should check out the, his yeah. interview. Oh, yeah. Let's do it. Here with Jeremy Little. Jeremy, how are you doing? I'm great. Excellent. So now you've already played a couple of songs. You have some more to go, right? I have some more to go. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm singing a fame and golden years coming up. Yeah. Excellent. It'll be fun. And so tell me about how you uh, got into this uh, this event for uh, the, the great David Bowie. <laughs> Uh, well, I just know Scrote from the you know LA music scene. He's a producer that would hire me to sing on sessions and you know what he was working on, you know, and and uh, yeah, he asked me to sing David, and David's the top of the food chain as far as I'm concerned. So yeah. I wanted to send my love letter along with everyone else. You were channeling your inner David there. I saw you had some moves. You got you know, yeah. You practice those. No, but Bowie is just deep in my DNA. I don't think anybody's affected me quite as much as he has as an artist. You know what I mean? Like as a, you know, as an influence. You yeah. know, so. So where did that come from? When did it start? Tell me about. It, uh, it started uh, as a teenager. Um, I was, <laughs> I was having a hard time finding myself on stage. Let's say, you know, and. Uh, uh, one of my friends turned me on to David Bowie, like this strange alien life form, and uh, it clicked with me, you know. And and then, and uh, you know, the next time I, when I started going out and playing, I uh, started covering myself with glitter, and I gave myself a name, and I was an alien too, you know. And and uh, it, it helped me sort of become something on stage. What was the name you gave yourself? I was Fade. I was I was I was reading the Dune books at the time, and uh, I called myself Fade because he sounded. Badass to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So think that way, or uh, no? You know, after a while, I was able to sort of just be myself and drop it, and you know, go back to being Jeremy Little. You know, so it's it's uh, it was good, but but it was sort of David, who whom I've never met, yeah. but it was him who made it possible. You know, he was he was sort of this catalyst and this shining beacon of strangeness. You know, calling out to me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So what's uh, what's your favorite David Bowie song to play live? Uh, that's an interesting. I love doing fame because it's I can I can holler a little bit, you know. I can I can scream a little bit, and uh, but you know it's it's hard to it's hard to choose, you know. I spent so much time with all of them, you know. It's it goes so back, it goes back so far with me, you yeah. know. But yeah, pl- singing fame is a fun one, you know. The man who sold the world is a fun one, yeah. Yeah. Now, now you guys had the uh, the first rehearsal last night, but obviously missing the Bay Area folks. How did last night work out for you? Last night was great. You know, I mean, the rehearsals are kind of the funnest part because you know they're all your pals and you haven't seen them because they've been on tour or whatever, and we get to hang out and talk shop and play songs that we love. You know, so yeah. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, I mean, uh, th- there's a little finger crossing, like because we're really rushing through it in a certain in a way. You know, it's like. Like just, I hope this works out, you know, because we love David and we want it to be great, you know. So yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, yes, it was a good rehearsal. I'll put it that way, and and, and, uh, and we felt good about it. Yeah. <laughs> now you never met David Bowie, but did you ever get a chance to see him live at all? Or? I never saw him live. Uh, by the time I had sort of come of age, he wasn't really playing out as much, yeah. and he never came to my hometown, Dayton, Ohio. So uh, except when he was Ziggy Stardust, and I wasn't exactly alive yet at that point. So. Uh, no, I never, I never really got to experience David. It was all through the records. It was all through uh, sort of idol worship, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. So, what were some pivotal moments for you in uh, in kind of listening to and kind of being channeled through David Bowie's mu- music? I was, um, I was intrigued of storytelling. And, 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 
Yeah. Oh, he left. Who? I don't know. <laughs> Jerry's hiding in the back. Jerry's hiding in the back behind uh <laughs> for Jerry. Um no, uh, what was the question? I can't remember. Your channel being channeled and experiences <laughs> and all that jazz. Oh, right, right. Yeah, well, I was I was intrigued by storytelling. Yeah. I was intrigued by, um, and, and I was intrigued by the theater of it, you know, the sort of the gravitas and sort of like records about the end of the world and aliens coming to tell us everything's going to be cool if we just boogie, you know what I mean? And, and, uh, I, and I was intrigued that he got on stage not to be himself, but to be somebody else, you know, to be an actor. And, and somehow in doing that, ended up with this very sort of um, uh, sincere, the, like the sincerity that you couldn't get to by being yourself. You know what I mean? And, and that's what always appealed to me. He was, you know, he's a real, he was a real, you know, he was an artist. He's he one of the greatest artists of our, of our time, you know, so yeah. it was good to be alive while he was alive. Yeah. And so where were you when you kind of heard the news of his passing? I woke up, it was my birthday, and uh, I was getting all these strange messages from my friends. Uh, I, was get, I woke up and there's a bunch of messages on my phone, and they all said, Hey, it's your birthday, I'm really sorry. Oh, no, they and didn't even say what? Like multiple people? Multiple people, and they were like, Hey, happy birthday, but I'm really sorry. You know, because all my friends knew how much Just David's music meant to me. Yeah. And I found out, you know, of course, within minutes, because I thought that sounded strange. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it was it was a weird it was a weird day. I I had been hired to sing the theme song for a a children's um, cartoon that day, and I had to. I was sort of weeping between takes. Oh no! <laughs> Singing in like this cartoon voice. And, we need uh, some more energy, Joe. Yeah. I yeah. Can't do it. <laughs> yeah. So it was a weird day, uh, but. Uh, you know, and it was a day I wasn't prepared for it. I think a lot of us weren't. You know, we we felt grief. Yeah. Over, oh you know? no, it's, I felt grief over a man I never met. It's but. one of those untouchables, and especially, yeah. I mean, just I mean, we're in a time where just I mean, there there have been like one after another after another. I mean, yeah. we're just getting past Robin Williams, right? Like, yeah. I mean, <laughs> and now Keith Emerson. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just it's, uh, all yeah. the greats are. You yeah, know? I mean, it's it's getting to that age, you know. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of a lot of my friends are sort of aging rock stars who uh, I admired growing up, you know, and they're kind of getting to that age, and it it scares me, but it's inevitable, you know. We yeah. all we all go that way eventually, right? Yeah, you just yeah. got to do what you you know, live life to the fullest until. Yeah, and thank and thank goodness David did, and he gave us great art and great work yeah. to to have, you know, and to to refer to yeah. to sort of be our lighthouse you know what i mean yeah totally <laughs> yeah so speaking of great art and great work tell me a little bit about your art and work and like uh, solo uh, stuff oh uh, well you know the day job is i write a lot of music for television uh, and film uh i i, I currently have a, a a jeremy little thing you know which is kind of um a reggae thing that i do that's sort of dub and reggae and kind of creepy and dark but fun and uplifting you know and that's the that's the weird thing I do in my spare time. Yeah. <laughs> so you uh, you still live out um, out in Ohio, you said, right? No, I live in Los Angeles. Oh, okay. You're, you're in Los Angeles, so you're more. Yeah, local, I've been there about 12 years. I did a stint in Nashville for a while, and then settled in Los Angeles. Yeah. Yeah. Do you get to tour at all, or you just? A you know, I don't tour so much anymore. You know, I I like to stay home with my missus. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I did. I I spent all my teen years and all my 20s in a van and yeah. uh you know done with that now right well you know if the right opportunity comes of course
course. This is a good opportunity to get on the road a little bit, right? Yeah, you know, this is fun to yeah. go out with my friends and make some great music. You know? Yeah. yeah. Awesome. So. Well, Jeremy, uh, thank you for taking the time today. And thank you. It was a pleasure. So that was the interview with Jeremy Little from the Regency Ballroom at the Celebrating David Oldman. Da- David Oldman? What the David fuck Bowie. <laughs> Gary Oldman. David Oldman, Gary Steve's Bowie. Bedtime. What? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Celebrating David Bowie. <laughs> uh, it's been a long it. night. It's been it a has. long night. It has. Uh, and uh, and so, uh, like we talked about, Jeremy did a lot of, uh, a, cup, a handful of, good songs where he um, had uh, great performances and his song that he was kind of the most passionate about performing which we talked about it during the interview uh, was the song Fame what do you think about checking that out? Yeah, let's check it out Fame, gotta do that one I'm Jeremy Little and you're listening to Concert Pipeline
All right, that was Fame by Jeremy Little performing a David Bowie cover. Fame. Fame. So tell me, let's let's talk just a little bit more about the concert, Jens. What were, what were the highlights for you? What brought you into wanting to see three and a half hours of David Bowie? Right? So, I mean, I can't honestly say that I was a huge, huge, you know, David Bowie fan during my life. But, I mean, I was definitely exposed to Bowie's um, art. And um, there were several periods during his career that, you know, really uh, impacted me Um uh, where his music was concerned um, throughout my life, you know, and that started with, I don't know, Space Oddity and ended with Modern Love or China Girl or whatever. <laughs> um, I was a huge Queen fan too, so I mean, I think that's part of the reason I like David Bowie, the whole uh, duet, I guess, they, they did together. Under Pressure. Um, under Pressure, which they uh, ended up. with. Right, they closed with that song. Um, of and course, we got to see. Uh, Sumner Jr. there, uh, lead that one. Sumner Jr. <laughs> Sumner Jr. <laughs> <laughs> and Holly and Holly uh, was performing on that one. As and well, so. um, I'm sorry, oh my gosh, Holly did. They both did that song. Yeah, together. yeah, yeah. But who was who? I'm forgetting now. Holly was the Bowie or. Oh, I'd- who did who? They they were both doing. Somebody did Mercury's part. Oh my god! I can't believe I forgot that. Yeah. Anyway, it was fantastic. <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> it was fantastic, and there were several. Um, back to your question, there were several points in the in the in the you know entire performance that were um, just you know kind of mind blowing, and um, you know we've got my favorite uh, clown. Guy, the, the the artist that was dressed up as a clown. Am I allowed to say what the name of the song was that he did? You are. No. Changes. He did changes. Um, so it wasn't just you know the amazing spot on vocals, but the theatrics. <laughs> yes. The theatrics that uh, you I mean, you had to be there. You have to see the video. Do you have a video of that? We do. I we think do. Uh, available for it might listeners. Be. Okay. Um, <laughs> so we had that, and of course they were you know the a lot of the stuff that I d- just didn't know that maybe wasn't as popular or maybe were covers or so um, was great to listen to, and just the sheer you know what we were talking about before the sheer diversity in artists i mean seven zero seventy artists came and went for different for different um for different songs including a choir there was a choir there was an entire choir yeah 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 it it was an impressive evening very well put together flowed so smoothly and uh everyone is so professional and 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 paid great tribute to uh and david bowie i mean uh, I think I may have told this on the, one of the last podcasts, this, um, the story of m- the, my first memory of David Bowie uh, being when I was like 11 or 12, I made uh, a video for the local uh, station in Alameda, um, like for a contest that they were having. And I made it about kind of a lot of changes that were going on in the city and um and things that were being torn down and renovated. Like I remember there was a shot that I did in front of the old busted down movie theater and Alameda didn't have a movie theater at that point in time um, because it had been closed and uh, other shots of uh, deserted like grocery stores and that sort of thing. Crazy. Yeah. And, and so I did that. And then, uh, and this is all, you know, real old. Like I don't have final cut pro or anything. I'm a and I'm a kid. And so I'm like editing in camera and I'm like, okay, I need a, either a beginning title or an end title sequence. And I was, I had this boom box, uh, that, 
that I was just like, okay, I need a song to kind of tie it together. Wait, wait, and you're using the camera's editing features to do this? Just editing in camera, like just I. What I did was I. I may have even written on construction paper. I think like the title of the, uh, the film. I may have even called it "Changes" and. Uh, or something because and I was just flipping through the radio and David Bowie's changes came on and I I didn't know David Bowie at that time but uh but I I was like this song is perfect for what, for what my video is that I had done and with my sister uh, this is how you got introduced to Bowie this is I mean that was my first that wow. I can recall introduction and because uh, I was like this song is about changes and this my videos about changes that are going on and and uh, <laughs> and so I I recorded like with the camera, fa you know, recording a piece of construction paper or something with the boombox, uh, they're playing changes. It was great, and I, I, I won like a thirty-five, thirty-five dollars and a pizza certificate, which the pizza didn't even like have cheese. I remember. No cheese pizza. Like I mean, it, there was are you no saying cheese. are you saying that David Bowie helped you make thirty-five dollars? Well, and I never cashed a check because I don't think I had my own account or and it expired after six months. Oh so, man, but, missed opportunities. But I remember that right and uh it's amazing that you remember that so that's my first memory of well, what year was that i mean i it had to have been like 94 or something like that like 94 wow yeah i remember alameda around that time i didn't come to i lived in alameda for a while but it was until the late 90s but i remember that movie theater it was like a, a gym or like something South Shore shopping yeah center and, exactly and, near park street yeah uh and uh yeah. Um, yeah, like at the end of the end of Park, Park Street, and, and so it was. Uh, I'll bust it down, and yeah, I made a video <laughs> and used David Bowie's song, and so that that's my first memory of David Bowie, and uh, so it kind of resonates from back way back then, and um, and so it was great to. I mean, I honestly, I just thank you to Scrote for helping set this whole thing up, uh, and really being such an amazing guy and performer. I mean, he played the whole evening. He played for during hours during the sound check. He was on stage the whole time. Uh, like, I don't he was know. the guy on the left, right? <laughs> I mean, yes, he was a guy on the, on the who left. organized the entire thing. Exactly. Uh, I mean, I honestly, for three and a half hours, I don't remember him not being there. He was there the whole time. He was, um, he was a machine. <laughs> he was. And, uh, it's the and, foundation of this whole thing. And so, I mean, what a great evening to, to be a part of. Um, really super cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, one of the funny things I thought was, Steve, was that you had, you know, you were talking about this concert for a while and I was getting really pumped up and excited about it. And, and you know, I was kind of bummed that I never had the opportunity to, to see Bowie live. But then when I thought about it, I don't think he ever toured in any city that I ever lived in. Um, so I was excited to finally, you know, see a, a, Davey, a David Bowie related thing. And when I heard that he passed away, you know, on the day that he passed away, I was really sad that the entire city didn't come together and do a Bowie tribute right away. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I felt kind of like alone and well, I was sad, but I knew a lot of other people were sad. And, you know, um, it was nice that, um, that, that things got organized and there were tributes yeah. happening all over the place. Um, and uh, I forgot what I was going to say after that. But it's one of those things that really kind of hits you, and uh, and I mean, I, again, this is another thing I mentioned on a previous podcast. But I, uh, I, um, and even in kind of some of the interviews, um, not tonight, but um, but I, that I dressed up as David Bowie for Halloween last year, um, David Bowie from the Labyrinth. 
because it was my daughter's favorite movie and she wanted to be the Sarah character and so I supported that with being David Bowie myself and, and not, of course no clue that he was going through everything he went through and was on you know in his last kind of moments and building this last album Black Star which honestly I'm surprised they did nothing from Black Star um, during the evening hmm. um, but I was in Seattle the, when David Bowie died uh, with my kids um, on a you know on a on a vacation and my daughter you know has been a David big David Bowie fan as much as a five year old can be a fan of an artist mm. and um, and so I d- I battled with kind of telling her about uh, his death and I wasn't going to but then when we were on the shuttle to go back home like she was asking about Jimmy Page because we had gone to the uh, EMP museum in Seattle mm. and there's a Jimmy, Jimmy page room and there's some stuff in there that hit me pretty, um, that touched me pretty close, you know? And so she was asking about how he died and everything. And then I figured that was a good time to kind of tell her just, and be real with her and tell her that David Bowie had died. And then we, we listened to black star a lot and, mm. and she really liked, you know, some of the songs on there. Cool. Um, so David Bowie lives on and influences younger generations, huh? He does. He's made his mark. Um, yeah. For sure. Well, it's yeah. not surprising. He's an amazing artist. Yes. Uh, R.I.P. David Bowie. Um, and yeah. Yeah. He was even honored in, um, now that you mention, you know, um, the Labyrinth, he was honored in um, at the uh, Oscars. Um, he was Dave Grohl. Yeah. Yeah. For his um, contribution to film, uh, along with Alan Rickman and others. Yes. in memorandum yeah so R.I.P. David Bowie that's winding out the David Bowie part of uh, the show we're gonna talk about a couple of stories in the in the music news what do you think sounds good alright so the stories borrowed from antimusic.com forward slash day in rock for the music news um, Jens, have you heard any of the saga going on with... Well, first off, let's start with Guns N' Roses. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, so I was interested in going to the Guns N' Roses concert. Well, no, I wasn't. But my <laughs> wife was interested in going to the Guns N' Roses concert. And um, once she told me that they were touring, um, part of me got really excited because I hadn't known. That was news to me. And the other part of me was like, ugh, you know. I've seen Slash perform. Um, I saw him perform in L.A. for the U2 show. Um, he is fabulous for those of you that haven't seen him live. Um, but of course, you know, for those of you that are in the know, um, there have been a lot of issues with Axl Rose and his ego and him, you know, on stage and whether it's worth seeing a reunion tour because you're going to spend a ton of money and potentially have a bad time. So that's a huge question mark. What is, (laughs) what's going to happen? Going How long forward. ago did you see Guns N' Roses? I was in L.A. for their... Um, mm, you had to ask me that. I you did. Know? I did have to ask you. had to ask me that. I'm trying to remember what tour was for. Um, I don't know. Was I it with the? Know. Was it like a long time ago with the full band? Or was it... It was, it was full band. Um, mm, oh, my God. They had a ki- absolutely killer opening act that did... Sweet Child of Mine cover with Slash, who just, you know, appeared on stage for that one song. 
Um, of course, I can't remember the Will Am I? What band is he? Will I Am? Will I Am? Black Eyed Peas. Yes, Black Eyed Peas. Thank you. Sorry, it's been a long evening. Normally, I would know things like this, but Black Eyed Peas. They they hit. Oh my God, awesome show. U2, uh, of course. It was it was that U2 show where they had that weird contraption in the middle of the stage. Remember that? Which which one is that? I don't know, but they brought they had the same stage almost everywhere. It was that that really cool contraption in the middle of the stage they brought everywhere it was like this tripodish thing i don't even remember oh okay yeah i think i know what you're one of the more recent tours it was like 10 15 years ago oh okay i'm trying to remember i don't know i saw you two on the elevation ago? tour but that, that's how, it how um, long ago was that might have oh, been before that 2001 it was um, after Joshua Tree. Oh, okay. So you're, yeah, you're probably earlier in both cases. I saw Guns N' Roses play. It was after Zoo Station. Maybe it was Utopia? Maybe, or the one after that? It, was, it must have been after that. I saw, I saw Guns N' Roses play probably nine years ago. Um, and uh, yeah, at the San Jose uh, SAP Center, whatever you did. it was. How and, was it? Uh, well, so the, the opener plays, and then two hours go by after the opener's off. Um, and Guns N' Roses is supposed to be on and you're, it's getting to be like midnight or something at this point. And you're like, are they even going to play? Do I go home? I work at 8 a.m. This is ridiculous. I'm exhausted. Mm. And you wait it out though. Cause it's, you're like, okay, if Axel's going to perform, you want to be there for that. And you're there. Right. So you can't leave. And so I stuck it out and waited and, uh, and they played and I mean, it was, it was a great set. Uh, I didn't see them with the full lineup with Slash and every, everybody else. You know, I think Buckethead was in there uh, and all of that. But um, it was during the Chinese Democracy Tour, I think. Mm. Um, and uh, um, so it was, an, it was a good performance. I'm glad I got to see them um, when I did. Um, so how was the performance when they finally did show up? I mean, it was after t- midnight, so I was just like, okay. Were great, you awake? Good. Did you fall asleep through it? Right. I mean, honestly, I almost... <laughs> Did but your bedtime's ten o'clock? You, you know my bedtime, and uh, in fact, it's almost time for your bed right now. Right, it is. Uh, it is bedtime. So, I mean, did Axel do a good job? He did. He has amazing okay. vocals, and when he shows up, he shows up, and that's why people keep coming out. I think is mm. because he's a great performer. He's. Uh, I mean, when they when if you can get all of them together in the same room, it's, you're even going to get in a more amazing show. Um, but mm. I, I was glad to be there. It was a good uh, a good show. I'm glad i stuck around um even though i was exhausted the next day um and guns and roses yeah like you mentioned is has announced a full tour whether they'll be playing every show on the tour is yet to be determined but uh, <laughs> we'll see how it goes but august 9th i believe is when um they're set to be at the at&t park in san francisco so there's there's that and there's been conversation about the the li- uh, the actual lineup that's going to be included and how many original members are going to be playing and uh, and that sort of thing um, and so um, rock journalist and author Mick Wall says the Guns N' Roses have a number of further surprises up their collective sleeves but he won't review them all as he has never been into spoilers um, so um, he did uh, say that um, uh, that the Appetite era drummer Steven Adler was poised to make a guest appearance on uh, Sticks before a last-minute injury forced him to sit out. So, uh, so that's not going to happen. There's also some other things up their sleeves that they got planned. But the other piece to the um, Axl Rose story, I don't know if you've heard recently about um, ACDC. 
I have not. You have not. There have been heavy and, and heavier rumors that uh, ACDC's uh, lead singer for the remainder of their tour is going to be Axl Rose. Are you serious? Why? Because Brian Johnson, uh, their current lead singer uh, of the past 30 years or so, um, has uh, he was ordered by a doctor to step aside. Otherwise, I mean, his hearing is bad. Hearing? Like he's so going it's not his deaf. voice? He's going deaf. Oh, my God. Like he's, I had no idea. He's a step away from being deaf. Wow. And so... Whether he'll ever return, who's to know? So that so we are already counting down members at this point. There's the drummer who's in jail. There's Malcolm Young who's very very ill and not in the band, leaving Brian. Uh, leaving Brian. No, not. Uh, did I say Brian Johnson? Um, you just said Brian. <laughs> uh, leave, yeah, leaving Brian Johnson. That's right. And um, and Angus Young uh, as the two you know two main members of. ACDC and if Brian Johnson's gone then that leaves Angus Young like so and that's it exactly and Axl Rose and, 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 <laughs> and Axl some Rose. other people I, I saw a rumor I think it was uh, an April Fool's joke or whatever that Andrew WK was going you know are you serious talks to do it oh my god <laughs> pretty sure that was uh, well that's that's awful man that's horrible yeah yeah uh, any details on on his hearing i mean is it just oh. natural hearing loss because of all the you know because of the industry or probably wasn't wearing his earplugs yeah. when you're supposed to right. because i mean that's a that's a loud gig like mm-hmm. you're doing that for 30 years but that's not like everyone's gone deaf no but right? you're that's a long time to do yeah. it and you i mean yeah hearing once it's gone it's gone i think right, right. that's not one you're gonna get back yeah. so not much regeneration there especially in that career path like you're you know, you're up a creek when you're up a creek. So wow, I had no idea. Yeah. So, uh, so the um, uh, the lead singer of Anthrax says that ACD sh- uh, should just uh, kind of stop instead of replacing Brian Johnson. Um, uh, again, Axl Rose heavily rumored to be the front man, um, and so um, Angry Anders. Uh, let me see. Hold on. Where is it? Scotty and the lead singer of Anthrax. Um, in an interview said my personal opinion is without Brian at this point I think they should just stop why why you're ACDC I don't think they need the money uh, it would be pretty, be pretty hard to imagine that they're still out there working because they need money but who am I to say it's just my opinion but I wish if Brian is done then I wish the band would stop that's just my personal shitty opinion yeah. um, and anytime your heroes are not doing what they do anymore it sucks it's tough. It's tough. I mean, there are going to be a lot of different opinions out there, you know. Um, it's like, well, let's talk about Journey, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Journey got their, um, they got um, Perry replaced, right, with a Filipino guy. Yep. Who, who, did, a, who, an, who did an amazing job yeah. Yeah. on vocals. But I'm sure you're going to have people that will go to, to, to shows, you know, where um, there's going to be a replacement and mm-hmm. people will, will kind of, you know, be sad and maybe boycott it or something. You always be judged by your former, you know, if there was a, if they were successful. Yeah, yeah exactly. Absolutely. And so that's tough. I mean, so obviously Axl Rose can't go on and be the lead singer forever. I mean, it's, I think it might be time for them to put up their, their hat. They've had a long successful career. And sometimes, I mean, I saw a recent video of ACDC and it was just not pretty they were old and washed up i mean just, yeah. just i mean be honest so that's tough yeah, it's tough you know especially if the band still has this um 
uh, this, you know, just natural desire or, you know, willingness to perform. You know, some people just don't want to stop. You know, take Bob Dylan, for example. He doesn't need any extra money, but he <laughs> he performs constantly. Yeah. And how old is he? Yeah. <laughs> some people, some bands the, just love performing. Yeah. yeah. And they just, they can't stop. Yeah. So that's a, a story on Axel and his ongoings. And I think ACDC may be touring with, uh, with uh, um, Guns N' Roses. I've, I've read somewhere and so axel would be doing double duty potentially wow uh playing both sets so I, I, nothing official that rumor's been going on for uh two or two weeks or so now so mm. we'll, we'll see what happens with that um another story rolling stones um you think there's anywhere is this the cuba thing um i don't think so they were in cuba were they yeah how'd that go oh rolling stones they made a special trip to cuba free concert everybody wow. in cuba who wanted to go or could go or could afford to go could go for free wow so all expenses paid kind of um i don't i don't i didn't i didn't read the reviews but i'm assuming it was just you know the awesome uh rolling stones show yeah but um yeah maybe to encourage you know more tourism or something or open the open the doors yeah you think there's anywhere that rolling stones can't play no i think they can play on mars we just need to colonize it or terraform it or something well some atmosphere i will let you know that there is somewhere that can't play um north uh let me guess um uh north korea (laughs) so the rolling stones were banned from performing outside their exhibition opening at chelsea's uh sachi gallery in london on it uh what on april 5th today in london aren't they from there Uh, all right and (laughs) so the rock icons are launching uh, exhibitionism uh, a collection of (laughs) a collection of rare and unseen memorabilia spanning their 50-year career they plan to play on the lawn outside the venue but keith richards says locals in the affluent area overruled their proposal what what's wrong with these people it's a rolling freaking stones right you think they can just walk up come on affluent people there was a plan to do four or five numbers on the lawn, but the Chelsea Residents Association poo-pooed that. How generous of them. Uh, I can imagine that conversation right now. Oh, no, it's going to be too loud. It will ruin our tea time. Oh, ho, ho. Right. We can't have that nonsense here. It's not proper. That's ridiculous, right? <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. Come on, it's the Rolling Stones. Let it happen. Yeah. They went to Cuba. That's nuts. Come on, they can perform in London. Yeah. Um... um Tom DeLonge, you know who he is? Maybe. <laughs> I'm going to take that as a no. No. Uh, Tom DeLonge from Blink-182? No, I don't. No. Uh, but I do know Blink-182. Oh, good. Okay. Mm. Uh, so Tom DeLonge says he knows the biggest secret on Earth. Oh, let me guess. It's uh, the meaning of life, universe and everything. Oh, if that's it Tom, Tom knows it uh, <laughs> he says uh, so Tom DeLonge who's be recently extracted from Blink-182 uh, like he, he says his UFO obsession will eventually lead to the unveiling of the big, biggest secret on earth former Blink-182 man is working on a long term project called uh, Secret S-E-K-R-E-T machines which will include novels non-fiction books a documentary and music First novel in the series, Secret Machines Chasing Shadows, is released on uh, was released today, April fifth. 
Um, and Long says that the goal of the Secret Machines Project is to tell the true stories behind human encounters with UFO um, and the U.S. government involvement. So what he says is, this is a big deal. Uh, it's an extraordinary breakthrough to tell the world's biggest secret. And I really mean that. It's the biggest secret on Earth about what we found, the breakthroughs that we've had, and the steps that we've taken to deal with something very, very extraordinary that most people think is just science fiction. Most people think it think it's much easier to ridicule this topic than to take it seriously. Uh, um, I said it in the face, uh, the foreword of the book, and I'm here to say it's true. It's all true. People are going to be shaken to their core when they find out something, um, some of the information that I, uh, I've been asked to communicate. I'm oh pumped. I'm pumped. I'm going to go to Audible right now and see if I can download it. Right. I want to listen to this. Oh my gosh, Tom DeLonge. Wow, that's that's crazy. I mean, that sounds like the real stuff, not just, you know, made up. Yeah. Yeah, he's uh he's something. I I met him first. Uh, I met him like twice, I think. But um he popped into an interview I was doing once backstage at Warp Tour. Uh, yeah, what was your impression? Uh, I mean, he, he seemed all right, like an all right guy, but um he was doing Angels and Airwaves at the time. Mm. His other band, and uh, uh, I have that album. You do, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So, uh, um, so it's interesting, but uh, but yeah. So, Tom, if you need to know the secrets of the world, you go to Tom DeLong. Uh, I will make a note of that. Uh, I think that's the best place to kind of end the the show at this point. It was a fantastic show. It was great. Right? Three parter, right? Wrapping it up. Wrapping it up. That I think some people call that a trilogy. Yeah, it is. It is a trilogy. Are we gonna have a prequel to this? Uh, uh, we're, we're into not, prequels, you know. Not, we're not going back. We're moving Probably forward. Probably not. Oh, just moving forward. Next up, episode one hundred happening yeah. this weekend. It is yes, uh, and that is uh, with Brendan James. Brendan James. Looking forward to it. Yeah, amazing he, pianist. He's playing live at the Vineyard, uh, which we'll be attending. Oh yeah. And uh, Saturday night. So will be Friday night. Friday night? Yes. And Saturday night, but uh, I won't be there Saturday night. But I, Friday night? I may or may not either. But, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, Live in the Vineyard, uh, exclusive private event that you can't buy tickets to. You can only win them from and be flown in from around the country. But Concert Pipeline has your in to that. Uh, so we'll be bringing you content from Live in the Vineyard, including an interview and performance with Brendan James from none other than my home which has chateau jones which has a vineyard on the which property. is in the vineyard so it'll be live from the vineyard <laughs> <laughs> yeah it'll be a double feature exactly nice so so that'll be pretty cool we're looking forward to that for episode 100 of concert pipeline uh which honestly it's been a, a track i've never had a show that lasted this long um honestly some of the episodes early on were kind of reruns from the old tv show back years ago uh, That's some good retro stuff. Yeah, yeah, but um, but I added it up, and so I've, I mean, we will be at like 86 interviews at the, this point, which is over the past unbelievable. Two what years. a resume! Two years, 86. So in two years, since January of 2000, you've done 82 interviews in two years. Yep. That's insane. Yeah, yeah. So a little, just over two years, I think, Concert Pipeline's been on. Wow. We started in 2014, so. Nice. Um, what an accomplishment. It's been fun. Talked to a lot of really cool people and have uh, many more to go on the horizons, I hope. Yeah, so. this is just the beginning. So, well. <laughs> that's one thing one way to put it i guess so uh so we'll be bringing you brendan james for episode 100 uh again live performance included which will be really cool that's the plan um and uh 
should be a lot of fun. You excited? I'm stoked. I am absolutely stoked. I'll be able to hear him play. We'll be interviewing him. And, um, yeah, to wrap it up, we'll uh, talk to you guys next week. Yeah, that is Yenzi. Yenzi and the one and only Mr. Steve Jones. We'll check you next time.